Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, hosted by Justin Bradford and Matt Best. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, Justin Bradford, Matt Best. And I just want to kick this off with saying Trevor Zegris and or Jack Hughes, they was robbed. But... <laughs> I was they telling was you robbed. before the show too. I was like, the NHL All Star Game like festivities, they just suck. They're not fun. They're not done right. I think is my biggest gripe. And everyone has their own definition of well, what's right. Well, when Trevor Zegers doesn't win with that goal that every NHL player is going to look at and go, "Wow, I wish I could do that," and right. Alex Pietrangelo wins without scoring a goal, mm-hmm. you're gonna piss off a your hockey fans and b the betting culture too. So, yeah, question question on that then, the betting culture. Is this the kind of thing because live during the event, people were placing bets on who would win while the event was happening? Or was this a pre-placed bet based on what they thought with skills? Pre, pre. Like, everything was pre. The accuracy was pre. Like, every single event had their odds before. And uh, Zegris was one of the favorites. And then that happens. And then the biggest underdog wins after not scoring a goal. Thank you, John Hamm. That, that, like, oh, as soon as they did that, I even heard one of the announcers say, "Like, oh, we're gonna have to do a recount on that." No recount happened. They awarded him the winner. That was it. Zips on. They, they counted the nineteen that John Hamm yes. put out there. Yep. Also, we are bitching about an all-star skills competition, but still, the, the fact of the matter is that Matt is right in that there are a couple events within the skills competition that typically are pretty fun. The mm-hmm. breakaway challenge is one of them. That is the most fun because, as I tweeted out, shocker, it's when we see personality from the NHL players and it ends up being the favorite event. Yeah. Shocker. Now, the other one, only when the big boys are in there and it hasn't, it's probably not going to happen for a while to, to get something like this, but the hardest shot has been in the past fun when you have the likes of Shea Weber, Zidane Chara, those guys. But those types of players are phasing out. Man, of the like, NHL. Even PK Subban was fun. Yeah. In the, yeah. Like, because the hardest shot to me is who are the big dudes in the NHL that can hammer the shit out of the puck? Not, right, when nobody's guarding them. Uh, not Tom Wilson. Well, no. I don't give rats ass about Tom Wilson participating in this. Like, no. yeah, he's the kind of player that everyone hates, but give me the days of like Sheldon Surrey, like you were saying, and those kinds oh, God, of guys. Yeah. Like, the guys that hammer the puck and you're like, oh, it could go through the net at any point. That's see, what I this. Want. This is where, and so I, we're not going to spend too much time on it because it is just an all-star game. Yep. But in terms of rankings, Matt gave out, we were talking in DMs, He was, I think he was very accurate in terms of all-star events, in terms of what's most fun for fans. And you had the NBA first, yep. MLB, yep. NHL, then NFL. Because yeah, the NFL one, that is meh. Because the the NHL has so much potential. Yeah, that's the thing. Whereas there's potential. The NFL one, like they don't really give a shit. Like what it is is what it is, and they don't show signs of like growing the game. That's never been like an. They don't need to. No, it's huge. The end. Whereas the NHL, it's like that card thing, that NHL 21 and 22 debacle. One, if you're gonna say if a player gets blackjack and they win, Pavelski won immediately. That was it. He got legitimate blackjack, ace face card. He and then they're like, no, no, no. We're saying blackjack is twenty-one. It's like, 
you're in Vegas. Why don't you get the gambling rules right to begin with? <laughs> uh, but yeah, to go back to the rankings, like NBA does it right because they let all of them talk. All of their personality is there. Right. All the big stars are courtside. They're all there talking to each other because the NBA is the culture there is much better than almost any other league. Personality. It's personality is key. The dunk competition is fun. Uh, the three point contest is their worst thing, and it's fun. Right. Like, there's so many things that they do that are fun. The all-star game in itself, too, is also kind of fun because it's another skills comp. Whereas the NHL right. all-star game is like, I'm going to take a weak wrister. The end. Yeah. And then, I don't want to hurt anybody because I don't right. want anybody to hurt me. And then for baseball, the home run derby is a classic. Everyone oh, loves yeah. the home run derby, and that's basically all I'll say about, about MLB skills comps. But um, that's enough, though, because people would buy a ticket I, just for that event. It is bucket list for me to get to a home run derby. I don't even care if I ever get to an NHL All-Star weekend. Like, it'd be cool to just go hang out and party in that city. But the fact that I said that and not it'd be cool to go see the events, it tells you something now, in its own. Now, here, here's the thing, though, what I will say when it comes to NHL All-Star. In person, it's a way better product than on TV. Probably because I mean, especially when, the, especially like a city like Nashville or Vegas, when a city is able to be part of the entertainment, yes, that changes everything because you think of the events that are going on outside. Like Nashville had concerts going on outside, yeah, they had city streets shut down to make a whole event out of it, but you don't see that on TV and you're not experiencing it because you need to be a part of it. So it's, it's good for the home city, not necessarily for TV. That's the thing with NHL, whereas NBA and MLB, those are good TV products, oh, yeah, because the, the, the slam dunk, the home run derby. Very little of NHL All-Star Weekend is really good product for TV, but it's great for fans in, in-house. in It is great mm. for hometown fans, and that's what it should be marketed more towards as is an event for that city more than anything else because it's growing yeah. the game. Well, I, I mean, like, then the next step eventually we'll talk about it, like, in a few years down the road is, okay, now we need to grow this for the sake of the game, like, for right. the people watching at home. Because to me, if I'm 11 years old and my dad, who's, like, a casual hockey fan, turns on the All-Star game, an 11-year-old me who just plays house league hockey sees Trevor Zegras do what he did, oh yeah, I'm going to be like, I want to go play hockey right now and try that out. Oh, yeah. But if I do that and I watch that 21-challenge blackjack garbage, I'm going to go... I don't want to watch this anymore. It's time to go play computer. Paul Coffey's a hater. <laughs> Paul Coffey's a hater. No, and so in, in the thing for me too, when watching that event, it shows that I would rather them have more special invitees mm-hmm. based on the specific skill competition than just have only people that made it to the actual all-star team yes. compete. Because that's how you're going to have a better hardest shot competition. That's how you're going to have way better everything else is by getting people that specialize because not too often is a guy that truly has one of the hardest shots in the league going to make the all-star game because they're not always going to be a point producer they could have the hardest shot but they're lucky enough that chara and weber would mm-hmm. make it and obviously victor hedman does have a hard shot but there's bound to be someone else out there on the blue line that probably has a harder shot than that but we're never going to truly know because they're never going to make the all-star game so i'd love it's- to see more special invitees where it's catered to that now the players won't be for it because they love their vacations. Yes. And I well, understand that, but for the event. Just do what the NBA does. Have your invitees for the dunk competition and the three-point and the skills, and then have your guys in the all-star game. And if you think that, let's say, like, if you want an Austin Matthews in the accuracy shot, you ask him. Sure. He's a young kid. He's, he has enough personality to do it. Right. You can get him to do it. It doesn't matter. But, like, not having Trevor Zegers initially invited – after the stuff he's done on the ice this year, it just shows that the NHL kind of doesn't know what the hell they're doing. 
And oh, we're going to get to that. I was going to say, and this is on a small scale of that. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, so I think we have, we're going to do our mailbag next, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so before, before I get to the mailbag, because I know there's a couple of Predators related questions and most of our listeners are Predators fans. Real quick, because it's been a while since you recorded, but also because of what the Predators have continued to do now that they're past the halfway point of the season. People tend to know my take more just because I surround them more because I'm here and I'm local <laughs> and I'm on the radio once a week. What's your take overall, your quick like three-minute hit on what you evaluate the Predators as being right now? Um, I honestly haven't seen a team have the right pieces click all at once like I have with the Preds. Now, you usually see this kind of happen towards the end of a season, so a team can go on that miracle playoff run, but it's just so fun to see Soros playing at elite goaltender status consistently. It's fun to see Philip Forsberg being the player that everyone kind of wants him to be 24-7, which, I mean, you want your players to always be all-stars and be very good, but Forsberg's having a contract year. My goodness, is he ever. And I know we have a mailbag question on that, so I won't dive too deep into that. Um <laughs> And then just, it's the winning formula. You have a guy who scores and gets a ton of points. You have a goaltender who is top three in the league right now, in just elite status, in my opinion. And then you have a Norris candidate and a Norris Trophy winner on your blue line. And then you have your depth. Then you have the perfect guy like Matt Duchesne, who is scoring goals out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You have Tanner Janot, who is having a breakout season. Everything that could go right is going right. And everything that has gone wrong has been minor. Meyer's not working out has gone wrong. It's minor. That's not a big deal. Uh, Mikhail Granlund's been fantastic still. All these guys are just performing. There's been no problems whatsoever. Also, there's been no major, major I-word that I don't want to say to jinx the team. (laughs) Careful. Yeah, so to me, it's good to see them doing this well. Um, I would have loved to see them do well towards the end of the season, like that this big jump that they've had. Because right. then they carry that into the playoffs. My right. only my only concern is, because now we can just say the Preds are a playoff team, is what happens when they get to the playoffs and Saros is getting a little tired. That is my legitimate only concern, other than the it's fair. Word. Because you look at most teams, and when the Lightning would do their deep runs, they called on Curtis McElhaney more than a few times to play some games. Mm-hmm. When the Leafs, the Leafs' biggest problem is they get bounced in the first round. Yeah, because they run the shit out of their goaltenders in the regular season. Right. And that's just, it's not a good winning formula. Other teams catch fire towards the end of the year, become so, like legitimate playoff contenders. And that's kind of where I wish the Preds would fall into, which out of everything I could nitpick, my goodness, that is absolutely nothing. It's just, <laughs> I got to find one thing to whine about. But. No, they're they're legitimate. There's no questions about it. Um, I just worry about what we'll be saying towards the playoffs in terms of their health, and if Saros is actually ready to play these insane minutes. Okay, that, that's very fair, and that's where it's one of those things that had Connor Ingram not face his challenges, which we obviously understand, and so glad that he's he's killing it in Milwaukee right now. Yep. I mean, the dude is killing it in Milwaukee. He he is. He's showing how he just needed to get back up on his feet, and he's ready. Yeah. Had Connor Ingram been able to be the backup this season, they probably could have done more of a 70-30. Yep. And been okay, but they're not going to pull that with Riddick. And it was surprising to me that Riddick even got a start at home. Like, what? Because of the back-to-back. Mm-hmm. 
because they the opponent they played the previous night. Like you understand why Sorrow started the the previous game, but still, Riddick is not going to get many home starts, and it, it's 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 going to be curious to me to see what they how they handle that the rest of the season. Now, what helps because I know you have something on your mind. I so do. Keep it on your mind. What helps though is February is a very light month for the yes. Preds. That's going to help so so much because they played so many games compared to some other teams that have not. That'll help them in the long run. Granted, everyone's schedule is compressed for March and April, but that really helps the Predators this month to have so many breaks and days where they can actually practice and have days off after those practices too. I've figured out why everyone loves Dave Riddick, by the way. His personality? No, because he comes up with one huge save a game. Oh, big, okay. big save Dave comes up with one huge save a game or one huge save a game. It happened in Calgary. It didn't mm-hmm. happen in Toronto. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, but it happened in Calgary, and it's happening here in Nashville again. But when you look at his numbers, he's not a good backup goaltender. No, no. It, like, his save percentage, I'm looking at it right now, is 882. And I always go by the Curtis McElhaney standard, which is I think is 903 as a save percentage career-wise, or 903 or 906. I don't know off the top of my head. But that's where you want your that's backup fair, yeah. to sit. Like, yeah. close to a three goals against, so you need the offense to score four goals for your backup, which is completely fair. But yep. you can't have a save percentage of 882. He's just been lucky that the team has bailed him out more times than not. That they scored goals for him. That's it. That is literally <laughs> it. His big save, Dave, is not good. But I also think <laughs> you have to leave Connor Ingram in the AHL. You I, you have to. to. The time he missed, you have to keep him in the AHL. Oh, yeah, yeah. In order to just give him his repetitions as a pro. Uh, he doesn't need to sit on the bench. He needs playing time. No, this you're is correct. a different scenario compared to if he didn't have his struggles. And we're not blaming him for having his struggles. No. We're just saying this is the scenario we, that the team has dealt with. The best course of action is to let him play. And because the team addressed that as well. That yes. was the plan. The plan was that Ingram was going to be the backup, but they had to adjust the plan. That's why Riddick is here. That's why That's, it's like, they talked and, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyways, let's continue on with the Preds talk. We have this question that came in from Bryant. And I'll add to this question as well because I want to see your thoughts. Because I know Robbie Stanley, one two five of the game, put out a question in terms of Forsberg contract. But I want to see your point of view, especially from an outside of Nashville point of view. Because when you're inside the box, you tend to look at things differently from outside the box. It's just natural sports fan. That's any sport. Mm-hmm. So just not blaming anybody. It's just natural how we look at things. But Brian asks, is Philip Forsberg transcending into the type of player we always knew he could be? Or is it just for the dough? Perhaps he could get the big money perform like Yossi or fall back into the streaky guy we've seen over the years. What do you think? So I'll pose it to you first, Matt, in terms of what do you think of Forsberg this year and and how we've seen him perform. He's on fire going into the All-Star break. And with that, what do you think is the best offer for the Preds to give him? What do you think the minimum would take for him to get re-signed as well or extended instead of just re-signed? Streaky players are going to streak is what I'm going to start off with. And Philip Forsberg is a 27-year-old, so he's as old as me, really. Wow, fun. Uh, And he's going to have a huge payday, and that makes me feel really good. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I think this is a case of this is a very good year for him. Same thing Mm -hmm. as Nazem Kadri. This is a very good year for him. Everything is going right. You're on a contract year. You're healthy. That's the biggest one. Your health is number one right now. Philip Forsberg's a guy who's never scored more than 64 points in a season. Let's right. not forget that. And he's always had that goal scorer's touch, and he's had players in the past that could be good line mates. This isn't a case of, like, this is the perfect Predators team built for Philip Forsberg. 
this is a case of like i said earlier literally everything is going right his health is good like well now it's pretty good um his line mates are producing his goalie mm-hmm. is fantastic there's a lot less stress when you're winning games to go out and score a bunch of goals if you're losing games i mean you don't really care in terms of a payday I still think the biggest bargaining chip that anyone who's going to sign him has is you're almost 30 and you haven't scored more than 64 points in a season or 64 points in a season more than once, assuming he does it this year. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if I'm a GM, the most I'm willing to offer Phil, 10. Okay. 10 a year over six to seven years. Okay, okay, that makes me feel better that you say that because what I was actually going to say is 9.5 by 6. Yeah. With a with a um modified no trade clause. Yeah, and load the shit out of his contract with incentives. Yes, you bonuses. 30, you have a 30 goal bonuses. season, here's another million. You stay yes. healthy for 3 quarters of the games, here's another million. And like yeah. it, all that needs to go in his contract. The biggest thing that's hurting him is the fact that he's never had a season like this before. That one that he's currently in, he's his health has always been an issue, and that's just not something that GMs are going to go. Yeah, but he was good this year. Like it's just not. It's not how it's going to happen. And the same thing for Nazem Kadri. GMs aren't just going to go. Well, you didn't get suspended this year. <laughs> like, all that stuff follows you. It's just like if you have a bad grade in high school and you try to apply to something, it follows you. You're screwed then. It sticks with you. Um, if he had, let's say he had two 70-point seasons, even if it was 71 points, I'd comfortably give him 11. Like 11 or 70 12. just looks better, doesn't 70 it? 70 looks so much better. It looks and, so much better. And it shows that you kind of stayed healthy for most of the season too. It's a different level when you get to 70 because you're so close to being a point-per-game player. Yeah that you might have had an off streak of three or four games, maybe. So I was talking to Kyle, too, about Forsberg, and we were talking about, like, oh, David Poyle needs to re-sign him, and I said, yeah, he needs to re-sign him, but if I'm Philip Forsberg, I don't give a shit. I'm playing the market. I'm going to free agency and testing the waters immediately because there's so many different teams that will be vying for services, and I'm going to say this now on the air, on record, in case it does happen, and I can go, ha, ha, ha. I think the New Jersey Devils could have a shot at Philip Forsberg. They have a young and upcoming team with a lot of good prospects in the pipeline right now. They have the cap space, and they're not afraid to go out and spend their money. And they're not afraid to trade. So here's my thing, and this is this is not coming from any inside information or anything like that. Would Forsberg want to go to a bigger market plus money, plus have an opportunity to potentially win? Or is he just going to go straight for money? Also... I mean, he tends to do, he tends to like it here as well. And the thought process going into the season was evaluating the team where they're at to see if they're closer to championship. What mm-hmm. we've seen is they could truly reopen the window in two seasons, maybe even next season, if they do things right, that they could be an actual team that, hey, they make the playoffs, they're a contender. Again, anything could happen this season. You never know in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but you're not seeing that already. You're, it's still small sample size. Right. Yes, they're a playoff team right. right now, but I don't see deep run, but – is that part of the evaluation process for a player like that of how close is this team as well? See, you can take all that into account, but then I can just bring up the Canadians of last year. Okay. Like they ran oh, all yeah, the yeah. way to the Stanley Cup final, and then everyone was like, oh, they're going to finish top three in the division. They're <laughs> fucking terrible is what they are. And people thought, oh, free agents are going to flock there. No, like I think if I'm an NHL player 
and I'm not one of those unique guys that holds super loyalty to my team, et cetera, et cetera. These guys at the end of the day are going to chase paychecks because they are looking for generational wealth for their for their family. That's mm-hmm. literally what it boils down to. You can take a half a million dollar paycheck. So let's say the Devils offer Forsberg 10 and a half and the Preds offer him 10. Probably going to go back to the Preds. Like there's right. a good chance there. But if the Devils go, we're going to overpay you and give you 11, he's probably gone. Like, that's just how I see this playing out. Um, he knows his health isn't the best, so he's going to cash in where the money is right. Because a million extra dollars over six years per se, six million dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's a that's... lot of money. Like, it, on paper, like in one year, because we don't make millions of dollars. When we look at it, it's like, yeah, 10 to 11, whatever. But to have $6 million, if I told you right now that you could have <laughs> no million dollars after six years or $6 million after six years, you're probably taking that six mil. I, I honestly think that Forsberg has a 50-50 shot of staying with the team or leaving. And it feels like a cop-out answer, but I just can't draw any comparisons. The, okay. It, it just feels different because uh, Victor Arvidsson, his best buddy, gone. Like Kelly Arncroke gone, gone. but Matthias Ekholm did extend before the season started. But is that enough for Philip Forsberg is one Matthias Ekholm enough where like if the Kings come knocking, go back and play with your buddy, go have Byfield, go have all these young guys to go play with. Like that's a great scenario. Go have Cal Peterson be your goalie too. Who reminds me a lot of UC Saros when Saros was younger, except size is a little different. Um, Yeah. But those are the things that I would think of if I'm an NHL player. It's like, do I want this window where the window has always been fluctuating, or do I want to go to a young team and have a bit of excitement, like the Ducks, all these young teams? People are going to want to go there. All right. Okay, next question. Let's go to Beersirker. Asks, in your opinion, what are the top three NHL arenas to visit? I want to see more road games, so I'm going to try and plan some vacations around it. I like this question. I like it a lot. Um, should we go three, two, one? I cannot give it in a particular order. It would be too difficult for me. I could just give three. Okay. Give me me one. Okay, one's going to be Vegas. And it's because of the atmosphere, the show, and people are, like, going to roll their eyes. But it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's right on the strip. You walk out. You're right there at New York, New York, and plenty to do right there. It's fun. Just in this, I'm not going to include Nashville, so I'll just say that because I'm Nashville homebody. I'm not going to include Nashville. I do that whole thing. If you can't include your home, well, I'm not going to. You know what's awesome to experience a game in Nashville. I don't need to tell you that. Um, so, yeah, Vegas, because and also as a media member, the press box is freaking phenomenal. They have little cubbies to store your bags, hooks for your coats. It, they, they take care of you there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's They put on a show, and you may roll your eyes, but you're going to have fun at a Vegas game. I like that. Um, the Bell Center is oh. iconic. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, you look around the league, and it's like, where are the historical hockey arenas? You got MSG, you got right. Bell Center, you have all these different places, but the Bell Center just has that feel to it. Go to a Bell Center game or a game at the Bell Center when your favorite team isn't playing and go yeah. to just watch the Habs fans. Uh, don't go when they suck, though. Not not fun. But <laughs> going there, I've gone there for Leafs against Habs, and I've gone there for just Habs against, I don't even remember who it is. Um, the atmosphere is incredible. The place is incredible. Um, the people are people it's it's a good it's you go to just say you went to the bell center and it's not like it's an old dingy arena kind of thing 
it's mm-hmm. it's fun it's nice it's new ish like in terms of its modernization and uh it's in a great spot in downtown montreal so bell center was going to be one of mine even though i've never been there that's one i want to go to right because of tradition uh because of where it's located uh, because of everything and now the word comes out that they may have to move the draft again from montreal depending on COVID restrictions <sighs> Uh, so I may just plan on not even making plans for the draft because who knows what's going to happen yeah. uh, this year. Uh, but yeah, Bell Center was going to be a number one of my top three because I want to go there. Uh, yeah. There's so many great things. And because I hear the hot dogs there in that arena are freaking phenomenal. And the Molson beer there is like it feels really weird to say, but the beer there on tap, it just tastes a lot different compared to other like sporting event beers that are on tap. I don't know why. It's just very good. Does it have a little more of that? Oh, oh wait, wait. It does. <laughs> like, going to the Bell Center is the best because you can go to get smoked meat before the game. You can go get your hot dog at the game, and then you can leave. And the nightlife in Montreal, I promise you, is almost on par with Nashville's. It's, and people don't realize that. It's wild. And like, it's they have public wild. transportation there. They do. Uh, just have google translate ready is all i'll say oh well yeah i mean when i was planning for the draft i was playing i did my research so i wanted to stay in, in a more english-speaking <laughs> american friendly yeah. neighborhood be, and be and for for reasons not that i didn't want to because i took french in high school so i know a, i know a little bit uh, to parle un peu français oui uh, comme si, comme ça. Ah, oui, oui. <laughs> so i know not like conversation or anything i can understand a couple words i can read a couple words i can i could do enough to at least find my way around yes or anything else but still want to go we're a little more friendly so i was booking in ville to notre dame yep. and right off the subway so i know i could just take the subway boom and get to the bell center that's what was important to me it would be off the transportation system so i could get right there but I, I want to go to Montreal so bad. Like, it's it is on amazing. the list. Of, of Have you been to Montreal, like, without? No. Oh, you yeah, yeah. See, I, it's six hours away, six and a half for me. But the roads to drive to Montreal, they're, they're terrible. Like, people say L.A. traffic is bad. I'll take L.A. traffic over Montreal infrastructure any day of the week. Whoa. That's how bad Montreal's roads are. They're piss poor, for lack of a better term. Jeez. Okay, well, what's what's another one? Um, I had to think about this one. <laughs> I really liked Amelie Arena, I like in Tampa Bay. The that's the first time it holds a soft spot because that's the first time I've ever tailgated before a hockey game. Okay, okay, that was a brand new world to me. It was also super cool going to a game in shorts. I thought that was a brand new experience for me. Uh, <laughs> but that arena. Like, I'm looking at it now. That arena opened in 1996, and so did the Bell Center, according to uh, this page here. The Amelie Arena, you could tell me, was built last year, and I'd believe you. It is that updated. It is that modern. Wow. And one of the coolest things I've ever seen are the Tesla coils that they have oh, at yeah. barn. And when oh. they light those suckers up, A, it scares the hell out of you, and B, it's just <laughs> super cool to see. Um, Tampa Bay, that little tiny spot in Tampa Bay, just Emily arena. It's fun to walk around in it, Like for me, when I go to arena, I like to explore. I like to go see what it has to offer. And it's just, there's different things to do there. You can walk around. There's different foods and uh, the ticket prices aren't bad. That's also a huge that, draw to me. That helps. Yeah. No, Emily's up there for me. All right. So let me, before I get to my final one, cause I've already done two, the arenas that I've been to for a game, 
So there, there's not that many. So that's why it limits in terms of what I have experienced. Obviously, Nashville, Columbus, St. Louis, Chicago, screw you. Uh, Florida. If, if Chicago wasn't such a dirty ah, words I can't say on this podcast, United Center would have made my list. Mm. Uh, Carolina, Vegas, Dallas, Minnesota, and I believe that's it in terms of NA. Oh, Washington as well mm. are, are ones that I've been to. And I look at a perspective from media. So media wise, Carolina is awesome because of the, the, the food that they have out there and like a Sunday bar. They had a nacho mm. bar. They had some of the stuff for media. Washington's really cool because the location is right in Chinatown. That's cool. And so there's lots of restaurants right around there too. It's a lot very walkable to get there from a lot of hotels in that part of DC. Columbus is similar to Nashville in terms of they have a little district right next to you. St. Louis sucks in terms of location uh, where it's at. It's like it's like six or seven blocks from like the strip That's of like all bad. the bars and, and everything like that. Uh, Dallas is not walkable really to a lot of different things. There are some things around there, but it's, it's a fun arena. It's freaking huge. The thing about Dallas is it's huge, like mm-hmm. ridiculously large. Oh, Everything's Pittsburgh bigger as well. than Texas. Or bigger oh, yeah. than Texas. And to Pittsburgh for the Stanley Cup game, that was interesting. Again, there's a few restaurants around there, but it's, to me, nothing special. Um, Minnesota is fun just because it's like it's a hockey city because it's in St. Paul, not Minneapolis. The arena is in St. Paul. So it has a very old school feel to it, even though it's not that old of an arena. And there is literally nothing right around that arena because it's St. Paul, not Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, the other arenas I've been to, like I've been to Vancouver for the draft. I really like the location of Vancouver's arena because it's right next to a city Costco, uh, <laughs> a downtown Costco, which is fantastic. Um, so for me, though, one of the arenas that I want to get to is Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. I, I love Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. I've been so, there so many times for Raptors and Leafs. It's I want to awesome. go because the design awesome. out here, like the concourse, the way they design the concourse, you feel like you're walking through a city. It's beautiful. And everything, too. So I want to go there. So those two I have not been to, one I have been to in terms of my list because the other ones, they can be fun. But from what I've heard, word of mouth wise, obviously Bell Center and Little Caesars Arena, I want to go there. Little Caesars Arena is beautiful. The city of Detroit, eh, not so beautiful. Hey, it's up. Hey, it's they're doing a lot. They're, they're okay. A lot so the area around Little Caesars Arena is actually getting oh, yeah. a lot better compared to done what a it lot. used to be. Oh yeah. Um, going, the seats are incredible. If you're ever fortunate enough and you can sit in their like bougie section where you don't watch the game but you get to go like to the bar downstairs and all mm-hmm. that, that's amazing. <laughs> um, on the very top of the arena, they have like all these different light panels, and then they can change the color of each individual light. And there's hundreds of lights up there, so it's just cool effects Whoa. during the game. Um, they have a bunch of, and this sounds like I'm just talking about all the bars, but they have a bunch of bars in there where you can just buy a ticket to enter and then go sit up at the bar and literally watch the game from a seat at the bar. And I, I think cool. that's super cool because if I lived in a city like that where A, it was cheaper to get tickets and B, I love the team that much, most nights I'd buy like a $10 ticket and go and watch the game that way. Because, I mean, if you're going to watch the game at a bar, you're going to overpay for beer, so might as well just do it there. Right. Uh, Little Caesars Pizza, too, there is top notch. Um <laughs> I highly recommend that place. It feels weird highly recommending it. Um, I'm going to pick a place that I want to go to, too. Gila, okay. Gila River Arena in uh, Arizona. <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you don't want to go to the college arena? No, 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 no. I want them to pay for, mon- or pay for funding for the Gila River Arena and go there. It, it just looks 
I'm just sad that nobody gives a shit about hockey in Arizona. That's my biggest gripe. Because it looks cool. It seems fun. It's just always empty, so it doesn't really get talked about other than the team needs to leave. <laughs> but that but for me, it just it mm. seems like a fun place. I've always wanted to go to Glendale. Um, I think Glendale and Scottsdale like are two cities in Arizona that I want to go to. Um, I want to plan a buddy's bachelor party in Glendale or Scottsdale and go golfing there and go see all the fun stuff. But any place that has like a fun concourse out front, yeah, where there's like what a, people what a sad are, thing. Yeah, like people are outside and like having fun. I guess the biggest example would be uh, Staples Center or whatever the hell it's right. called now. Where oh yeah, crypto blah blah blah. Bitcoin Arena. Yeah, where there's like three or four different buildings around it that are like connected to the Staples Center, whatever it is. Um, that's the kind of atmosphere. Because I think when I go to a game, I want to make a day out of it. I don't want to just show up at the game. I want to go be around the arena because I like to make sure I'm there early. Right. And just go see what I can see. The only place that I'll show up like right before puck drop is the ACC because the Air Canada Center sucks. Uh, or the <laughs> Scotiabank Arena. Uh, honorable mention, the worst arena in all professional sports that I've ever been to, and it's not even close. The Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa is the worst. It is a concrete jungle in Canada, which is not near Ottawa. You got to take a stupid bus or drive on the stupid highway. And if you take the bus, <laughs> you might piss your pants. And yes, I'm talking from personal experience. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, with don't, that, let's don't go... go to Ottawa and watch games, is all I'm saying. Oh, God. Well, I'm sure Kat will appreciate that. Like, actually appreciate that. Oh, probably. Uh, let's go straight to Kyle's question with that then. Big spoon or little spoon? Big 75% of the time, little 25% of the time. Any guy who tells you he doesn't like being the little spoon is full of shit. Oh, 100%. I prefer to be the little spoon 75% of the time. It's just nice to be held. <laughs> it is, dude. It's a good feeling. Okay, so it's here's my thing. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's just so, oh, yeah, being taken care of. I'm do, loved. Do you like falling asleep with people touching you? Or is there like an understanding like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Stop touching me. No, no. So I'm the kind of person I tell my uh, now wife. Hell yeah. <laughs> that it's one of the things she typically goes to sleep before me because she typically has to get up earlier than me for mm -hmm. work. And I when I get into bed, I just have like my hand touching just a little part. That mm -hmm. actually comforts me to be touching her was like just her arm or her back, just something little bit of skin to skin contact. It makes me feel comfortable, that's... and it doesn't even stay there. That's that's it. But yeah. I, it's hard for to fall asleep actually being like cuddled or anything. It's the worst. Your so. arm falls asleep, you get super sweaty. Like yeah, it's it's hard to do. But I, I like that. I like what you said. Uh, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to the next question then. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one actually comes from Daniel. What's the one thing that surprised you the most so far about being married? No I guess it's directed towards piece. me. Yeah, I'm not married. <laughs> uh, for me, it's they get gassier after you're married. Pardon me? <laughs> you guys just ripping ass all the time now? Yeah. Uh, what? We did before. We've lived together for three year, three and a half years, so <laughs> whatever. All right, bring me. Well, the listeners haven't heard it. How was the wedding? Let's detour off real quick. How was the wedding? I know it wasn't like a big, gigantic whoopie doo. Because no, it's like sixteen it, people. Yeah, right? yeah. How was it? Uh, snowy. We uh, were scared. We were not going to be able to have it. 
because there was ice on under the snow like we had a mini ice storm and then snow and i'm like oh dear god like it started off as rain mm -hmm. it's rainy and then it turned into like a sleet and then a slush and then snow and it snowed about four inches on top of the ice That's and bad. remember remember we're hilly here and you're not prepared <laughs> for it no no so we ended up getting uh, Alex was able to get an, an extra Airbnb room. So I actually spent the night in the place, which is like an hour from where we're at, mm -hmm. just south of Nashville. And hearing the sleet hit, I'm going, oh, God, oh, God. We ended up only three people could not make it because of weather and everything, which it ended up fine. The roads got cleared very quickly, which thank God uh, they did take care of the roads very well. Um, we had great snow pictures, actually, as we're recording the link just came through from the photographer for our pictures. Oh, really? We just got the pictures. Nice. Um, just like right now. Um, you really so, want to open those, don't you? Well, so I was scrolling through some of them while <laughs> you were talking. Are they nice? Um, see, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're nice. Um, so I'll make sure to share it with you so you can see. Thank you. But and I'll share with everybody else. I'll post a couple selects once I actually go through them with the wife and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was it was great. We we surprised each other with our songs. So Ooh, can you share um, what songs they were? Oh yeah, yeah. She did um, an acoustic version of "Kiss the Girl." Nice. What she what she walked down to, and then our walkout song I chose, which which was a uh, great big beautiful tomorrow from Disney. Oh wow, you did not meme at all. No, no. I and because what's what's great, not funny, but it is fantastic, is she actually referenced "Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow" in her vows. Wow. So yeah, she killed it. it. So if you turn where meant to be, it. I don't know what is. So she knocked it out of the park with her vows. And folks, if you have not watched, if you want to watch one, it's a quick watch because it was only 11 minutes and 45 seconds. The goal was under 15 for the ceremony. We knocked it out in under 12. Wow. And she she killed it with with her vows. She like, bl blew me out of the water. If I ever get married, I'm coming <laughs> to you and being like, how do I have a 12 minute wedding? Thanks. You keep it small. <laughs> yeah. And not Catholic. And <laughs> but, but but it was great. Uh, nice and small. Or it was great because her grandfather was able to come down from Fort Wayne. Nice. Which was which was incredible. Um, we it was just Jeremy K. Gover. I'm sure plenty of you know who he is. He officiated the wedding. Nice. But did he, these did he become a fish an officiant for this? That's or? what I was actually going to talk about. So, because Tennessee does not recognize online ordination, oh my god, he had to get illegally married the day before. And there's pictures. We got legally married at my Funko Pop Supplier shop. <laughs> because if West, that isn't you, I don't know, I know what is. Because Wes Howard, who owns Poppin' Off Toys, which is a local store here in Nashville on Charlotte Pike, but also ships worldwide. Like a lot of you, I think, bought your Roman Yossi Funko Pops from him. He is also ordained like that is his side gig is officiating weddings. So he married us in the store in front of customers and everything. That's incredible. And it was incredible because people just stopped what they're doing and kind of slowly got their phones out. Like, so who, this is like, happening. You you <laughs> show me a list of the people who've gotten married at a Funko Pop store. I'm, I'm sure there's few like in Hollywood or over in Washington, right? But not a local store. But like I mean, this. you give so okay, you give someone a hundred guesses, even with you, and you're like, where where did I officially get married? No right. one's gonna guess a Funko Pop no, store, even though you have all of it behind. You. Oh gosh, that's awesome. And so little things, uh, like Cameron Gumpy, who was up there with me, he played the role of best man. Mm -hmm. As Gover was also best man, and he officiated. But Gumpy got th these little figurines for us, 
Lego figurines for both me and Gover. The same one you see in Spider-Man. It's Emperor Palpatine with the lightning. That was, oh that was a little gift. And it was awesome. Also, he spent like 15 bucks each on them. They were not cheap, he said. I'm pretty sure I saw them on Facebook, and I, I think I audibly sat there and laughed. <laughs> yeah. Like, this so. was... Or, oh, regret would have been the bad word. Um, if you could <laughs> change anything about your wedding, would you change anything? No, I liked it exactly like it was. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, what after, during the reception, it was a small reception. We had Puckett's cater it, and everybody loved the food. Uh, Gumpy's... Uh, wife Steph, who works at Sweet Sixteenth Bakery, uh, made the cakes for us. We had uh, Italian uh, wedding cookies, flesh cakes. It's the one that has the three colors. Mm-hmm. But she did our colors, which was purple, forest green, and navy blue. And we had a red velvet cake, which Gover surprised us and put these pops out of <sighs> the couple from Up. Oh, did you cry? Oh yeah, like he was able <laughs> to. Have, he rushed delivered these. Because he had to order them internationally. Yeah. Because mine came in just last week. I ordered them from Pop in a Box, but they were getting delayed. He found a supplier overseas and had them rush delivered, so he put them on the altar. That's and then nice. we ended up putting them on the cake. That's a good touch. Like Carl and Ellie, it was perfect. Because Up is, is one of our themes as a couple, Yeah, is Carl and Ellie. Um, so he got that done. And then as my gift to my groomsmen for Gover, I got Greg Proops. I um, saw those. To that roast was, him. He roasted the shit out of them. <laughs> that was so good. And then got one of the members of the Aquabats to do a message for Gumpy because he loves Scott music and loves the Aquabats. Yeah. And then for Alex, it came in a day later. Thanks, Jeff. But Jeff Saturday, former Indianapolis Colt, the center for Indianapolis Colts, who won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and everything, asked him to give some wedding advice. And his wedding advice was always argue naked. <laughs> Because the makeup's going to be best when yes. you argue naked. I, I like that. <laughs> no, those are those are killer griffs. When I saw the Greg uh, cameo, I was like, "What is happening here?" I know. And it was incredible entertainment for me. I, I gave such little notes, and he just ran with it. And it just was roasting and roasting oh, yeah. and roasting, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god!" During the beginning, I was like, "Yeah, Justin had to have asked him to roast." Like oh yeah, yeah I, there's I, a I, section in there. It's like you choose roast or celebration or congratulations, and I'm like roast. Yes, okay. I was like, otherwise Greg's just a dick. But no, it's good to see that <laughs> he was if instructed you, to roast. Oh yes, if you want to see that, folks, I posted on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, just go and search where I've tagged. Uh, it's go over time on there, and you can find that video because it is fantastic. It's incredible. But yeah, it was it was a fun wedding and. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably going to be really close or at the airport or on a plane uh, leaving for my honeymoon. Look at you go. So, Are you all packed? Like 90% packed. I have a full Google Sheet checklist, which that does not shock anybody. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Dude, we're packing for a 12-day trip that includes – so this is difficult as a big dude. Folks, if you've never been on a cruise, you typically have to pack two sets of clothes because you have to wear dinner clothes. And they don't have to be, like, fancy anymore. You it's got to be nice. Suit nice like slacks and a button up or slacks and a polo things like that it doesn't have to be shirt and tie anymore like it used to back in like the 90s and 2000s now they understand it's difficult but still i'm having to pack like shorts and shirts and swimsuits and stuff for the day and then nicer clothes for night so that means i have to buy a little more i have to bring a little more shoes because i have to have different shoes for those things and for a big dude and just men's clothes in general like this is i'm not trying to complain here it's just funny because (laughs) 
Alex wears these pretty dresses and they're beautiful and flowy and they weigh like they're paper six thin. ounces. Yeah, and yeah. then we've got our jeans and it's like a that's, pound. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, and then my shoes, because I'm a I I have size 14 feet. Holy so shit, what? So my yeah. <laughs> Let's circle so, back to that. When did so you become shit. Sam Squanch? <laughs> so by I think around the age around age nine or age ten, my shoe size went up once a year with my age. Oh my god, I thought you were gonna say you were size 14 around then. I was like, no. So when I was 10, though, I was a 10. 11, 11, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14, 14. And at, for a time, because of the way they make shoes, I was at 15. At 15. <clears throat> oh my god, I so did not know that. It is difficult to find shoes sometimes, but nowadays, because feet are bigger and it's much easier with online ordering, you can ease, more easily find shoes. But before, it would be go down the aisle and see if you found a 14 and then see if you like the style. I did not know you had big feet like that. I have you know what feet. they say about big feet, right? Small penises? Big socks. Oh. I do stretch them out. Stretch what out? <laughs> socks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's difficult for me to find skates in a store, too. Because I have to have like a size 13, 12 and a half or 13 <laughs> skate. Because you typically buy one to one and a half down. Yeah. So it's difficult to find skates. Man, I thought I had big feet. I wear a 12. I thought I had big feet. That's, I mean, uh, it doesn't have anything on you there. It must be an interracial thing. It, it has to be. <laughs> Absolutely. I have the biggest feet in my family. You but, must but, have the biggest feet in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, packing is interesting for that cruise because then after that, we're going to Disney. So then packing all the different clothes for Disney as well. And you only have 50 pounds. So I have one, two checked-in suitcases, a duffel bag, oh and a backpack. God. <laughs> and then you're probably going to get things, too. A couple things. Alex is going to have some space. I also brought another duffel bag. <laughs> I'm packing a duffel bag in my duffel bag, cause so she might have to have two carry-ons. I would love back. to see your car filled with everything as soon as you get home. <laughs> well that's the thing too is like we're talking trying because we're, we're going in early a day early just in case because the cruise leaves on sunday and yes we're going on a cruise and right now the ship is looking like it's gonna be less than half full so i'm very excited i'm very excited about that but we're flying in a day early and we're staying in an airbnb tomorrow night and i'm going you know we might have to get like one of those big uber suvs and that's like well maybe if we went separate it might actually be cheaper with luggage mm. it's like you actually might be onto something it might be like 20 bucks instead of like 80 yeah like 20 bucks each you save 40 bucks that way just do it separately instead of getting the big one for all of our luggage to fit yeah and the convenience is you don't hang out for 20 minutes exactly waiting for one yeah but but yeah it should be fun man it should be fun that's exciting i'm very are you completely disconnecting when you're on there or are you gonna be on your phone i don't mean that as a slate i just mean like are you gonna no. use your phone a little bit, a, a little bit, just to keep in, in touch and stuff like that. Take yeah. some pictures, share some things. But I mean, it's not like I'm going to be constantly on it or anything yeah. like that. I feel it's hard to completely disconnect when you're on vacation. It is. I mean, for me, it is too because I don't want to. Yeah. Like I, there'll be times like going to the spa and everything. Yeah, I'm going to disconnect. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're not going to live tweet your experience of uh, my no. inner thigh is being touched. Tweet like. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but like they have like six different rooms a rainfall room they have a crystals room they have a salt bathroom they have all these different types of uh, infrared sauna room that we want to try because that's included with our package 
uh, to go into all these different types of rooms and everything. So I want to experience that, but I don't want to be on my phone. Yeah, um, I, I could mess with that. That sounds so fun. Yeah, I'm very pumped. And we'll see if we get a free upgrade because the ship's so empty. Yeah, and because you're going for a honeymoon. Yeah, I mean, most of the people we're seeing on Cruise Critic are definitely way older than us and not honeymooners. Good. So we're hoping that we're one of the few honeymoon couples on there to get some free stuff. I even got, this just shows how excited I am. You got shirts, didn't you? No, but I did get masks because indoors you still have to wear masks. And so I went to Etsy and got um, the disposable face mask with Just Married printed on it. Nice. In the corner. Because I want to show this off so we can get free shit. Yes. Like that's yes. yes. Just like Disney, where we're going to wear the buttons. So if we get a little pixie dust on us, like that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Free shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not exploiting it. It's just no. getting the free shit. This doesn't happen that often. Like no. I want to take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. No. I mean, doesn't, hopefully it doesn't happen ever again. <laughs> Unless it's a renewing of our vows. That's the or if you're just happen again. That, or if you're ex- exploiting it by then. You're just lying. Like, oh, yeah, we got married. Weren't you here last year? <laughs> yeah, we got married again. Yeah, we figured we'd do that. But anyways, anyways, back to our questions. Uh, only have a couple more here. Then we have something we need. We obviously need to address some stuff. Uh, this one, let's see. Looks like Matt, Bernier, and Brian both asked about the deadline. And what the Preds might do there, what we see the Preds doing there. I've, you know, I had to address this on Penalty Box Radio Live. For me, just because I'm rolling here, what I prefer the Preds do is one of two things stand pat because you don't need to be getting rid of any of your prospects or picks because you're trying to reopen the window. And to reopen the window, you need more people in the pipeline to keep resupplying spots in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Or two, you're able to solidify the blue line more by trading away a fourth or a fifth, maybe. I'd be okay with that, with a red, full-on rental player that just solidifies the blue line and the depth there because, dear God, they're letting so many shots into use of Saros. Yes. Thank God he is performing the way he, he is because there are way too many shots allowed right now. We don't t- Nobody's talking about that as much because they're winning. Mm-hmm. But if they weren't winning, that would be a number one topic right there would be how many shots they're allowing against. Those are the two little things I'd be okay with, but I'd prefer them to just stand pat or anything else. See what you have. This season was supposed to be more of a rebuild season, and if you stand pat, it could be something special. And if it's special, that's great. If not, then you know you have something to build on for the future more than anything else, and you didn't have to sell anything to get there. It could be sexy to go and try to make a push for a Claude Giroux or one of these other rental players, but you're going to have to give up way too much to get that in return, and it's not worth it right now when you know this team should be better next season or the season after that should now yep. you mentioned the Montreal Canadiens but the team should be better going forward because this is the new start yep. for this team as they got younger I uh I completely agree with your defense uh take there just know the difference between a cheap rental and an expensive rental like mm-hmm. don't Josh Manson shouldn't be on your wish list because he's going to cost <laughs> an arm and a leg uh, for me, I think it's either stand pat, add to the D, or get a backup goaltender. Dave Riddick was, is not that good. If you're just tuning in now, rewind about 15 minutes, and I'll tell you why. But you need to give Saros some sort of break. Or plan for the worst-case scenario. You make it into the playoffs, Saros gets hurt. Then mm-hmm. you want a fighting chance, you got to put someone other than Dave Riddick in there. You, yeah. you, like you got to put somebody in there who has been tried and tested before and uh who that is 
you can go around the league and maybe get oh wow the backup goaltending market off the top of my head is <laughs> weak um ugh. Ugh. like anyone who's <laughs> underperforming bad, huh? is on a big contract because i'm thinking philip grubauer is underperforming uh has a big contract matt murray from the sens if you want someone but he comes with a big contract too like you just need that added insurance of I have a capable goaltender waiting instead of, oh, no, they have to play the best hockey ever. So whoever that is, go get them, but don't have it cost any more than, like, a mid-tier prospect and a fourth. Okay. All right. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. I just want Matt's first reaction for what he's going to see. Okay. Oh. Why are you so serious? <laughs> <laughs> it's not show. Hold on. Can I put it up on the podcast? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Let me let me try to figure this out here. Uh, <laughs> click this. It's a beautiful picture. Now, if you're looking at us on YouTube, by the way, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, <laughs> it's so cool seeing a wedding in Nashville have snow. I know. That's what's like. And you both look fantastic. Thank you. Alex's dress is so nice too, and whatever the thing is, I'm doing the action for you, the so you shawl. can see that. That it's looks perfect. super cool. She looks like my Russian queen with the hat. Too. You, you guys look like gangsters. I know, like, <laughs> but not like gang <laughs> thug life gangsters, but like no, you, you want to fuck with me, kind of gangster. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing about her dress. She got it for like a hundred bucks. Wow, how, where, who, what? At a consignment shop. That's Dude, she was so good. She was so good at finding deals and doing shopping and everything and just finding different different styles of dresses and everything. This is so much so that she was able to wear something different at a reception that was a little more comfortable. Yeah. To wear, but it was still a wedding dress. This is I like I'm speechless. This is such a nice picture. Thank you. Are you very happy with it? Do you want me to go back to the two shot? I'll go back to the two shot. I'm I'm, I'm very happy with it. Oh, I so, can't go back just, to the two-shot. All the pictures are up on screen, by the way, as you're doing this. Okay, there you go. Just scrolling through. Okay. There. what we have. Oh, so pretty. <laughs> Some nice kissing photos. Oh, uh, yeah. See, oh, but he, oh, let me show you my favorite one. I was about to say, what's your favorite one? Well, one of my... Sorry, I cannot say favorite because it's just... <laughs> with Gover oh, in the background. God, with his arms open. <laughs> they did it! Oh, that's so good. <laughs> this is probably, like, a sweet moment for you guys. And then Gover's like, what up? No, it's great because we were laughing. We were all laughing. That's he was so, so pr- good. he was so proud. He had flashcards too. That's what was great. Well, that's fantastic. Just to make sure. So okay, stop share. Okay. Back uh, to but two shot. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So there's our thoughts there. Then let's. I know this is an awful segue, <laughs> but but we need to discuss this because <laughs> from happy marriage to what the hell is happening? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Unfortunately, not able to, I wasn't able to discuss this on PBR because all, everything was kind of happening as we were on the air or right after we were on the air in terms of really, really hit the internet. But I'm sure most of you are familiar with the Rocky Wirth situation in oh Chicago amongst multiple things that has happened in Chicago. <laughs> I'm still so peeved. And if you've seen my Twitter, you know I'm peeved. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting, I 
am getting so exhausted, fed up, frustrated, tired, and over with the way our sport handles so many things, including racism, sexism, sexual assault, old white men getting away with all the shit they want to do, not being able to market the league, not pushing up personality, not embracing the special things that you have, and not living by the term, if you can play, you can play, or hockey is for everyone. Yeah, that sentence isn't... I'm getting <clears throat> so exhausted from always, every single day it seems, something is coming up where people have fucked up and other people have tried to cover it up or try to make an excuse for it or trying to say, oh, it's just an emotional outburst. Fuck that. I don't care if it was a fucking emotional outburst. Have some fucking control over your fucking language and how you treat other fucking people. <laughs> I'm not laughing at what you're saying. I'm laughing. No, I know. Because I, I cannot control it anymore when it comes to that because I'm just so sick of it because it's 2022 how long has all this bullshit been happening that people just seem to be okay with it because <clears> something <throat> will happen we'll get pissed off and then two days later it's on to the next controversy in hockey not just the NHL but in hockey in general and then it's on to the next controversy again then it's on to the next one oh this happened we forget about all the bullshit that happened before that until somebody brings it up and tries to bring it up in a positive way with what even Mark Lazarus said is a fucking softball question. That, that All you have to do is say, we're doing this, 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 and this. Okay, thanks. Sit <clears> down. <throat> That's all they had to do. If anything, you could have told me if that answer went well, that Lazarus was told to ask that. That's how much of a softball question it was. Yeah, like, and he knows that, it. He put them on a silver platter and went, here you go. You can go ahead and plead your case and like make yourselves look really good after all the yeah. shit that's happened instead. He said what he said. He gets berated. <laughs> and he shut, words, shut, shuts up his son, who has actually been doing some work on this. They have been doing some work, but it totally disintegrates all of that yep. with his reaction. And then what well, we see the next day with another lawsuit coming out from someone that's in Miami of Ohio. JD3. What, <clears throat> what, what in the fuckity fuck is going on? That we just have to be okay with the fucking status quo. Do you know, like, to me, I keep thinking, like, this is a huge NHL problem, NHL problem, NHL problem. And it is for, like, on, on the big scale, it is. Multiple reasons, yeah. Right, right, right. But to me, I think this is more specifically a Chicago Blackhawks problem to the point where Gary Bettman, and I told you this, needs to grow a pair of nuts and go up to the team and go, I'm making you sell. You need a new owner. That, and no like, punishment. And no punishment. It. No punishment. You don't lose draft picks. You don't lose anything because the biggest punishment of all is getting fired from no, the business. No, no punishment happened. Yeah, yeah, no. no, no it, like, that's the thing. Gary Bettman is like, no punishment's going to happen. I had to talk with him. Okay. Yeah, no. You had a chat? I would be okay with no, like, additional punishment to the franchise if the punishment itself was sell the team. You have them a out. calendar year to sell your team. And then... I just think, like, if you're going to punish the team and you're going to punish them with draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, you're punishing, like, little poor Billy who's in the seventh grade that loves the Blackhawks and doesn't know anything about, like, what's going on in the big scale. I think you punish the ownership, you punish everything like that, and just force a sale completely. 
that's what I think the end all be all is for this Blackhawks franchise. I, I what does a draft pick do anyways? What is forcing a draft pick? That's not punishment. They're cool. going to be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's that's why to me like that kind of punishment is who gives a shit. But you tell the person who's in charge. You like you get Rocky and friends away. You say you're gone. You're done. You have nothing to do with the operations. You have to sell the team. Find a sale. You have a year, or you're selling to the league. That's what needs to happen. And it's not going to. No, we already know it's not going to. The only already GM, came out and said the, the only commissioner that would have the backbone or spine to do that. Silver, silver, because the, he respects the reputation of the NBA more than anybody. And remember anything that everything that happened with the Clippers with Balmer. Mm-hmm. He he has a pair. He'll do it. Gary Bettman just cares about dollars and cents. That's that's it. And that's never shown more through until now. Like it, it's. He needs to force a sale. I, I don't know what else to say. There is no other punishment I can think of that comes close. And it's not going to fix what happened in the past. Like, that's years of work that needs to be done. But selling the team, it's a pretty good start if you're the commissioner of a league going, I understand the magnitude of what's right. happened here. Handing out no punishment is, I don't understand the magnitude of what happened here because it had nothing to do with me and my, that team won a Stanley Cup and it created money and it started a dynasty, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, 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 Gary, head out of your ass, force a sale. It's not going to happen. And that's what's so frustrating right now is we see so many things continue to go on and we're not seeing it addressed the way that so many of us want to see it addressed. And that's why we can't be quiet. We cannot be quiet about this. And I'm going to keep railing on on Twitter when it comes to these types of things. And I'm glad to see more and more people doing that too, because nothing's going to change until we continue to be outspoken and demand more. Nothing's going to change until you stop going. Sometimes you stop giving money yep. as well. Nothing's going to change unless you start speaking in ways that they're going to understand. My first hockey game I ever saw live was the Chicago Blackhawks game. My first NHL arena I ever went to United center. My second team until I don't know. All this crap started coming out. I love the Blackhawks. I used to love them. Now I just I don't care. I, I, I like. Both people. I've seen so many people that it's like I can't cheer for them right now. I just I can't support them at all. It, like, it's not good. Um, have you seen the job posting for their PR position? And the thing is, that thing was just posted back in the fall already too. <laughs> Yahoo, it's the second time it's been posted in a couple months. Even Yahoo Sports is like Twitter account trolling. is trolling it. Yeah. You know it's bad when Yahoo Sports can get approval from PR to send that tweet and be like, yeah. we're going to rail on the NHL here and the Chicago Blackhawks. Are, yeah, okay, do it. Like that's that's unheard of, by the way, in this media space. Like you'd never see a big company like that just completely dump on a team during something as impactful as this. They're also searching for a general manager. Oh, yeah. And you know who's part of that general manager search? Hmm. Couple hmm. players from the 2010 team. Yep. Oh, but we haven't oh, moved on. We're not, you know, not going to talk about 2010. Sharp and Hosa, but haven't moved on. And Sharp and Hosa might be might have had literally nothing to do with it. But you know what? The best way to just get away from 2010 is to stop fucking using players from that team. That's it. I'm sure they are also not the most qualified to look for a GM because they're former players, and they're not general managers. Like. Patrick Sharp goes on TV a few times and does some broadcasting hits, and now he's he's able to find a GM. That's the thing. I know every sport does it, but we I think we see it so much more in hockey, where they just want to use former player. And this is not a dog at any former player in general. There are really good minds out there that can analyze the sport, 
that did not play NHL hockey. Maybe they played minor league hockey, or maybe they played just college hockey, or maybe they played junior, or maybe they just played in high school or something. You don't have to be a former NHLer to be really good at a job like that. And I hate that gatekeeping that happens of, especially we saw it happen with Vancouver with them hiring their new assistant general manager. Yep. And they're, uh, I believe she's an analytics in the analytics department too. Like, yeah. And they got asked questions too, which I know they're not going to say, no, we hired them because they're women, but they were asked, did you hire like, what about them made you hire them? And they listed every accomplishment. And I was like, everything. That's why they're hired. It's not because they're a woman. It's because they're the best for the job. Like an assistant, a general manager in general is dealing with contracts all the time with money and everything. So getting someone with agent experience that has experience on that side, that makes a hundred percent sense of negotiating everything. Also, do you think your owner is going to sacrifice your team's well-being for the future for just one good PR move? For tokenism like that? That's not happening. No. Like, get over no, yourself if you think that's going to happen. Or that's no, why they're it truly happened. trying to do it. There's a, I mean, there's a reason why Arizona hired Young when they did to try something different. Yes. To go the analytical route to see yes. what would happen. I think he could have been successful if it weren't the Coyotes. The Leafs, Kyle Dubas. Right. And right, like exactly. genius from Sault Ste. Marie. And right. has, well, the team hasn't gone out of the first round. I know. Save it. Um, but he's built a good team. He's created a powerhouse. They just suck in the playoffs. Um, but he's created a powerhouse. But they're, but they're a good You can tell. They're a good team. And, they're and it's, so, it's tough to win a championship in any sport. And it's difficult to win a championship. They do have the good part of the old boys club still with some of their like, uh, assistant coaches. They had Manny Malhotra. They still do. And he, mm-hmm. what was he good at? Penalty killing? Pretty good guy to have on your bench. Like right. those hires make sense, but if you're gonna go bring Patrick Sharp and Marion Hosa, um, one, why? Two, is there nobody better? But Patrick Sharp makes sense if you bring him to the broadcast booth. Sure. If you want to make him your your 100 color commentator sure. or your booth person, or even having a bigger opportunity on national broadcast like the, what they did before, that would make so much more sense. But yeah. on what? Po- Either way, <laughs> away from that. I am extremely frustrated. It is exhausting to me. And if some of you have wondered why I just haven't been tweeting near as much when it comes to hockey, hockey is frustrating me. Hockey is frustrating me so much that if anything, my outlet is to do podcasts like this and to do my radio show to where I can actually vent a little bit and discuss all the, all the thoughts in my head instead of just live tweeting events. Cause it is exhausting. It is frustrating to see this all the time. And yeah, the predators haven't had anything going on right now and everything, but Hockey in general, for right now, I just want to go play. Yeah, I just I enjoy doing beer league. I enjoy talking to you, Matt. I enjoy talking with Glenn, having guests on and talking. But making hockey one hundred percent of my life is not going to happen, especially when the sport itself is not trying to fix the sport itself. No, 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 no. no. And there's so many good people out there that are continuing to fight and continue to try to make things better. And things keep getting shut down to the good old boys club because we see how many times when there's a coaching search or a general manager search, the same goddamn names always keep getting floated. Mm-hmm. It's old coaches over and over and over again. I mean, it's hockey is such a different culture. I, I kind of group hockey's culture with the NFL's culture in terms of that's my guy. I got to bring him in. That's my guy. I played with him eight years ago on this team. Got to mm-hmm. bring him in. That's my guy. He coached me. I got to bring him in. 
where the NBA is like, this assistant coach seems pretty deserving. Yeah, let's let, let let's let him do it. <laughs> like that's how a lot of coaches in the league get their jobs. Um, or it, like across Major League Baseball, this bench coach in AAA has shown that he's really good with the kids. Let's bring him up. Let's make him the coach or the manager. That's completely different. Like I feel like those sports hire on merit, and then the guys who get recycled, the same old like white dudes, pretty much that get recycled, have one World Series and they're pretty good at their job, and they don't have a shit trail chasing them. Like that. That's the complete difference. Whereas in the NHL, it's gotta hire him because he keeps his mouth shut. Let's let's yeah. put him on the team. Ugh. It's Anyways. there's a long way to go. There's a, there is, and it's not just NHL. No, it's the sport. It's professional sports as a whole too, but like it's yeah. NHL and it's the hockey culture, not just the NHL. It is hockey culture. And, and you all know that listen to this, you all know it's it's not something that happens when they're adults. It gets instilled when you're in junior. Yeah. So much in junior the bad habits start and that's where so many things need to change when it comes to so many different things in mental health and drug and alcohol abuse and everything too. We we we've got to reevaluate. I mean, so many things there. You and I had a taste of it three or four weeks ago when oh, yeah. a certain friend of the show was getting just berated on Twitter and I was like, wait a minute, you have your hockey information on your bio? I'm going to email your coach, thanks. And like, then the coach was his dad. And the coach was his dad and I never got a response back. But I mean, you got to take those actions. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal or anything like that. I'm no. just saying like, if you have an opportunity and you see something like that, one, stand up for your friends. Don't be an asshole. Two, if you want to make the game a better place this sounds like I'm singing Man in the Mirror. If you want to make the game a better place, take a look at yourself. Um, if you want to make the game a better place, make, make your change yourself. Like, make it happen. Reevaluate who your hockey friends are in your circle. Reevaluate where you get your content from. I won't dive into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at. Uh, just be an ambassador, not a gatekeeper. And Boom. That's, you said it right that's there. That's it. That's it. That should be a tagline. Upon taglines, yeah. be an ambassador, not a gatekeeper for so many things. Yeah. For hockey fandom, for Marvel fandom, yep. for Star Wars fandom, for any kind of fandom, be an ambassador, not a gatekeeper. Yep. Okay, well, let's close it out with some Book of Boba Fett talk. Yes, yes, <laughs> please. So if you're not up to date with Book of Boba Fett, we're going to talk about Book of Boba Fett. And this is your spoiler warning in three, two, Oh Holy God, shit, Grogu. Cad Bane! Oh. <laughs> I like how we picked two different things, but they're both very important things. Mm-hmm. One of us also could have picked Luke. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I don't want to spend like 30 minutes on this, just quick quick hits yeah. more than anything else. Bryce Dallas Howard and Dave Filoni have just done phenomenal with the previous two episodes respectively. Bryce Dallas Howard had some of the best episodes of The Mandalorian Mm -hmm. where she directed that as well. She is so proving herself of why she needs to be continue to be part of this universe and have other projects as well because we are seeing through The Mandalorian, through Book of Boba Fett how important storytelling is and episodic storytelling in Star Wars instead of trying to cram everything into a movie because the universe is so big there's so many different storylines now that we want to see things explored. We want to see characters explored, history explored, because it's vast. Yes. And just like I think the Harry Potter universe could could benefit from this as well and getting away from the Harry Potter thing, just like how you try to get away from the Skywalker thing with loose connections to it. 
it could benefit from those stories being told so much more than a movie can ever ever support and these directors and these writers are doing such a phenomenal job of giving us that throughout all their episodes that they're directing that they're writing we're getting bits of stories and some people call it boring and i'll gatekeep them and saying <laughs> you might call it boring because you're not paying attention overall to what they're trying to accomplish here. You're going episode by episode where you need to judge it by the entirety of everything. And you're seeing everything come together right now in Book of Boba Fett that is making me salivate and excitement I... for what we are getting and how things are coming together because there's so many storylines that are intertwined that we've always hoped for and hoped to receive. And they're giving us fan service that is meant to be fan service for a reason that we need to have the story continue to accomplish its goals it's that type of fan service not some quick cameo and then they're off the screen wow. we are getting full development of fan service too which is what we've been wanting and they're giving it to us in the way that we want whether it's luke training grogu or it's the cad bane coming in to bring in the animated series and dear god he looked like one badass motherfucker when he walked up in that and seeing the tropes to old school westerns and samurai films we're oh, getting all that here off, which is yeah. what star wars is and I need a towel. Matt, you go. You are pretty sweaty. I think a lot of what Star Wars is, too, <laughs> is the scene where Grogu's hopping around from rock to rock. They could have CGI'd the hell out of it and made it look good, but that, I think, was an homage to old Star Wars and just how it's always been filmed kind of thing. Just, like, fun. Like, a nice little leap, a nice little hop. Um, I completely agree with what you said. I think they're at the point where the movie needs to be what supports the TV show, not mm -hmm. the TV show supports the movie. Because I think it's a lot more cool now if there was a movie, a Star Wars movie, and we got to see The Mandalorian come out. That would be so much cooler compared to if the TV show didn't exist and we saw this Boba Fett-looking motherfucker come out on the screen. We're like, who are you? Now it's like, oh, my God, it's Mando. Oh, my goodness. Like, let's look at this. It, it just makes it that much better. And even if there is no movie, you have hour-long episodes. You get a bunch of oh, movies yeah. in one series pretty much. So to me... Man, Book of Boba Fett's probably... I honestly didn't think I was going to say it's one of my favorite series, like, from the Star Wars universe. The last three episodes have changed my mind. Because we're getting so much, and it's bringing it together to where people are like, well, why do go to the Book of Boba Fett? Like, it's not the Boba Fett show. Mm -hmm. It's showing how Boba Fett is rising to power. Yes. And all of these things are important to that. You can't just focus on Boba Fett. It's what else is happening in the universe to make it to where he can, and he's having to bring together some muscle. Mm-hmm that make it happen and that's why it's important but it's also tying things into where almost similar to captain america civil war being <coughs> avengers 3 mm -hmm. this is bringing it's like mando 2.5 yeah because it's focusing on another part of the story that's connected but a different main character overall but you have to bring in all these different characters because they're all connected in some way. Ahsoka is connected in this way as well, and it's, it's teasing off the next series is going to come there. I mean, we're, we're getting so much tease in a way that's important to continuing on the stories, and that's what I love. I think it helps establish the timeline better, too. Instead yes. of wondering, like, okay, so when does this take place? Is this before this, or is this after this? What's going on here? Instead, it's like, you clearly know what the timeline is. Mando misses yeah. Grogu. Grogu misses Mando. Like, you know what has happened right now. Uh, the Mandalorian are in hiding kind of thing. Like, you know the timeline. There's no guessing. So you can spend more time watching the episode and fleshing it out instead of going, what's happening? Where am I? It's just we're lucky to have very good entertainment. 
And by all means, I highly suggest if you're interested in more like these detailed looks and Easter eggs, go to Screen Crush on YouTube. Ryan Airy does a fantastic job of there was like I think 91 Easter eggs mm. in this episode of all the different connections and every it's, it could be every little thing. It's not going to be all major and big, but it could be little tiny things that you maybe have noticed or maybe didn't pick up on or you did pick up on but you just didn't know where to place it. The Screen Crush is a fantastic job of putting that all together and really breaking down these episodes to help you talk about it. That's I mean it helps me talk about it because it we we see it we digest it. And then you rewatch it again, and then you watch those YouTube things, and it helps solidify your thoughts to put them into better words. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like I'm pretty good at my words when it comes to our talks here. You, you are. Because I, you, you, I, you I, I put in the legwork, yeah. And I just, yeah. I get to react like a normal fan and just go. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm not okay. calling you an abnormal fan. I'm just saying, no. like, I don't deep dive into it as hard as you do. But I, I love just say, that I can't you do not it because yeah, I don't. That's have me. To, that's just me. Just yeah, but that's. <laughs> and it's okay yeah that's okay but but we're getting some fantastic stuff coming i know we're gonna get like a full obi-wan trailer soon and you're gonna have the ahsoka series and it's gonna continue to tie in with that we're gonna get more because when you think about the jumps that the movies have made yeah we would like to know what happens between return of the jedi and the force awakens there's so much there that could have been explored of luke rebuilding a jedi school before kylo ren destroys it because luke didn't trust and he tried to kill kylo ren like what happened to bring all that up? And you see the beginnings of a new Jedi school being built by the robot droids that was cool. with R2 in charge. Like, like R2's in charge. R2 shutting <laughs> down when he doesn't want to talk is the He's most like, relatable uh, thing no. ever. Peace yeah, out. It's the best. <laughs> yep. It's, he's polling the Captain America. Nope. I don't think I will. Yeah. <laughs> and then just. Yeah. So all the little things, the little tropes that they, they push throughout is, is fantastic. And I'm very excited for the finale. Uh, of that and just see how everything comes together and how they they fix some things too and just like with the oh my gosh it is just completely escaping my mind the monster that lives in uh oh in the, ba- the temple in the basement the, the, yeah, Rath- the thing the thing Rathtar. not the Rathtar. Uh, Rathtar's was in force awakens you're um, looking it up right yeah yes <laughs> sorry it's <That's> the fine. <sighs> rancor oh my mm. god I kept wanting to say Rathars, like that's Force Awakens. I thought you were gonna Rath-tars say Rathars in the cage. Like the Rancors, where they're trying to make it to where they actually so like no Rancors have a connection that they build with people, and that shows in Return of the Jedi why the keeper was so sad because that was his pet, but they trained the pet to be destructive. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to see I know there's been concept art. I'm ready to see Boba Fett riding a freaking Rancor. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm excited to see I'm a sucker for like development between like people and animals. So I oh, think yeah. that'll be really cool. Uh, okay. Final question for you. Okay. I want zero explanation. I want one word. This is going to be very mm-hmm. hard for you. Oh, boy. Fill in the blanks. Grogu's decision will be to join the blank, which is either going to be Jedi or Foundling. One word, do... one word, one word, one word. It's more fun when you're stressed out and freaking out. This is my favorite. One word. What were the two blanks again? There were two blanks you gave me, right? Foundling Jedi. Okay. He'll choose to be a foundling. Is this very hard for you to not explain? <laughs> and why? There you go. Because I think he'll take the rod of Ahsoka. Oh. Like, I think he'll tr- find ways to train <clears throat> while being a foundling because we already saw Mando realize that 
the order that he was a part of is not that they were an extremist group. Yes, and he was like, "What the hell is this?" It's like, "Oh, I did take all my shit. Bye." Yeah, I took off so my helmet I, twice. Like, leave me I alone. think that's the route it's going to go, and that's what we're going to see in Mandalorian season three more than anything else is more of that development too. But they're setting up that way. I'd be very surprised if he chooses the way of the Jedi because of the way they're leading the story. Now, I very well could be surprised. I he goes away, but I just can't see them not tying that together because of the relationship that's been built. With what's been announced and what TV shows we know are coming and things like that, it would just be very weird if he would decided be. to be a Jedi. It also wouldn't surprise me if at the beginning of the episode he chooses to be a Jedi and by season's end he is a foundling. Right. And I'm also very curious, too, as his memory is coming back, who saved him? Or did they just kidnap him because he was so powerful that snoke eventually was going to do like palpatine wanted to do mm -hmm. um experiments on because him. the jedi <clears throat> could have also just taken him right like they could have been the ones that abducted him in the beginning right so right i i think there's a lot to unfold and i'm glad <laughs> i was gonna let you explain i wasn't just gonna torture you but i i i think he chooses <clears throat> foundling because grogu's always gone with his heart through literally the whole series right. like whenever he wants something he just takes it he doesn't think he takes it and this also shows still a problem I have with the Jedi. Mm. It's always an either or. Mm -hmm. There's no and compromise. There's no compromise. And what's the thing that Obi-Wan says in Revenge of the Sith? Uh, yeah. uh -oh. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Uh, see, this is why we do the show. For the hockey talk, too. But for you to explain <laughs> all this to me in, like, dumb boy so, terms. So they, they, it's, again, about the Jedi and what their downfall was. was multiple was multifactored, obviously, because they didn't have any vision. They chose to get involved in a war when they probably shouldn't have, but then they handled that decision of being involved in a war very poorly. And then, instead of finding a way to support Anakin, they did not, leading to Anakin's decisions the way he did because he had a personal connection, which Obi-Wan just basically, like, no, oh, well, I know what's happening. I'm just going to sweep this under the rug and just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. Yeah. There's a deleted scene of Obi-Wan addressing that with Padme and everything, too. Of like, hey, I know about this. We just haven't talked about it. But there's so much more they could have done with Anakin to keep that from going. Because he's supposed to be the chosen one. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is why I'm such a big fan of Ahsoka Tano. Is because she still practices some ways the Jedi. But she is a great Jedi in terms of that is not left or right. Yes. It's not right or wrong. There are gray areas in decision making and what you have to accomplish. And it goes back to that. It's like the Jedi deal in absolutes, but in a different way. She, like, because she did say that you can't go see him kind of thing. But right. She's like, let me let me make this compromise for you. Whereas yeah. a true Jedi would have been like, nope. no, give nope. me this and fuck off. Yeah. Like, and so I, I really enjoy the way her character has been developed so much more. But it shows Luke as well, because you think about Luke and his association to knowing what made his father into Darth Vader was having personal connections. Mm -hmm. So he's still going to go that way, but not because of the Jedi way, but because he doesn't want anyone else to have that potential to have a personal connection to go the way of the dark side. So he's still base He's still the old Jedi ways without it being the old Jedi ways, which is the problem with the Jedi. I mean, it's all coming full circle and the problem there too is why i get frustrated with luke obviously i enjoy the character but the way luke's been developed and the way they're showing this another reason why the school failed and everything too like there's so many things that this is why 
when there's logos available to choose if I wanted, you know, get a Star Wars ornament or something like that. I refuse to get anything with the Jedi Temple logo. I did not know you were this passionate about this. No, because they fucked themselves. That's why. <laughs> because because so, Master Windu and his streamlined way of thinking just screwed so many things up. Screwed so many things up, and I'd love to see more development from Samuel Jackson and that character to see if he could redeem himself with how things happen. But the Jedi screwed themselves over, and they are the own reason why they failed. I like this because now I'm going to watch everything with a different perspective. You seriously do, because it shows why they were flawed, and Jedi were not supposed to be perfect, and they were not perfect. And that's what I enjoy so much about it, too, is it's showing how flawed you can be even when you're trying to be so good. Well, I mean, if you go even in the forward, or like to the present day Star Wars, mm-hmm. like it just shows you how messed up the Jedi are that Luke literally went and said, fuck y'all, I'm going out and rock and chilling here forever. Come get me. Yeah. And like, just said, nope, not doing it. And done. Bur- it burn the, the tree down and everything. Yeah. This is me. I'm here now. Leave me alone. Thank you so much. This is what the Jedi have done to my life. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, because there's so many flawed teachings there where if you address it more the way Ahsoka does, that they could have been successful and still could have thrived and still could have been one with the force more so and lived with others yes. if they would have allowed more for personal connections and shoot i mean i don't even want to go here but you can kind of see that way just in different churches where certain churches allow certain things certain churches don't and not saying that either one's right or wrong but you see how there's different ways how you can have personal connections in different church- like certain pastors are able to be married and have children certain ones are not mm-hmm. and depending on the what segment of, of church you're involved in and, and all those different yeah, aspects yeah. of it and how extreme you want to be or certain churches allow for multiple connections uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's there's so many different ways that it's been tied into. So George Lucas did a phenomenal job developing this, and now great people have taken over, like Dave Filoni, to understand the lore. Yes. Want to take and build that story? Because please, just let George Lucas just be a contractor to, for advice and not writing anything. Yes, let, <laughs> because it's it just doesn't fit with today. Right, but Dave Filoni is a genius, and yeah. he deserves to have everything Star Wars that he wants to have happen. And yes, I'm very passionate about this because. I enjoy talking about it, and I know other people hopefully do that as well. Yes. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad to have you in my life to break down Star Wars, among other things. Yes, go go watch more things with a different point of view now, and especially watch Clone Wars, especially watch Clone Wars. And if you haven't watched it, or if you watched the first couple of seasons, finish it out, and especially the last season, watch that. And then after that, go watch Rebels, because you see more Ahsoka and Rebels, and it's going to be very, very important to watch Rebels before you watch the Ahsoka TV series. Okay, I have to watch Rebels then. And Rebels will also be important if Darth Maul somehow makes an appearance somewhere in some one of these shows or anything like that. Um, Four seasons, the, especially okay. in the Obi Wan in the Obi Wan series. I highly suggest that y'all go. Rebels watch. has a ninety-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Rebels is fantastic. Wow, we. Yeah, it was on Disney XD. Which is why so many people didn't really watch it as it was released, because mm-hmm. it's obviously targeted towards like Children? preteens and teens, yeah. is what it was, and that's the animation style that it was targeted to. But it is very good writing, and it takes you away from like Clone Wars is more like political documentary style thing, whereas Rebels is full on character development, and you have you're served another character that can be annoying just like Ahsoka, and they develop to where you really do enjoy them, and that's what I love about Dave Filoni. You have your assignment. I do. I'm looking like I'm looking at Rebels right now, and it's easy to watch. It's one of those easy to watch things. You can breeze through it, and you know you can watch like four or five episodes really quickly, and then you know you can splurge through it every day. Watch a few episodes. 
I, I need to start it. I need to do it. Do it, because then some things that were touched on in Mando, like when Ahsoka was battling the High Temple... Uh, I just forgot her name as well already, but the, uh, with the, with the, with the, the staff... The, the metal staff. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Ahsoka battled her. Yep. To save the village. There's a connection where she asked, "Where's Thrawn?" I need. You okay. have to watch Rebels to understand that whole scenario. Shit. Okay, so I need to watch that and then do a quick rewatch. That that's doable. even to, do, do watch Rebels and then just watch the that episode with Ahsoka and that battle in on Mando, okay. and it'll just you'll have like light bulbs go off in your head. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. And anybody do that. do that. Like, that's what's so cool about Marvel and Star Wars 2. It makes you have to go back and watch and you look at it through a different lens. And then you realize, oh my god, they did this. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm getting everything at, like, a base level. Yeah. And now... I still don't want to spoil stuff for you. No, no. And you haven't. You've never yeah. done it unless I've been like, you can just tell me it's fine. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I so. Okay, Rebels is next for me. Yeah, I, I I finished uh, the last episode on Wednesday of Book of Boba Fett, and I was okay. halfway through messaging you, and I was like, "I'm just gonna tell him when we're recording." Yeah, that's perfect. I was like, "I want to surprise him." Perfect. Usually, I'm not good at watching. <laughs> right? No, I'm glad. I'm very happy when you said yes. Like, oh god. <laughs> so it's been like 90 minutes, and we gotta go. I gotta go finish packing uh, mm. for the honeymoon. Um, but I'll be back afterwards, and we'll see what happens. There'll be a few games that I'll miss, and folks. Make sure next week, Mr. Best will be taking over from me on Penalty Box Radio Live with Glenn Blackwell. So make sure you tune in to that on 102.5 The Game Tuesday because the Predators have a game on Wednesday. So Tuesday at 7 o'clock Central Time, you can live stream that at thegamenashville.com. So make sure you tune in to him and Glenn. And I don't have any idea who he has on for guests or what he has planned, but I fully trust him with everything. Thank you. Hopefully that, that he's going ah, to have a kick-ass show. So I'm very excited to listen to that when I get a chance. Um, to on the boat. <laughs> I'm quite excited. I'm very like I was super thrilled when you asked me, and I'm glad I can make it work. So uh, I'll make me you too. proud. I'll make you proud. Thanks, dude. And you got my email, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I gotta ask you a couple <laughs> questions after the show. I was waiting. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, for Mr. Best, he's at Best of Matt on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Triple P Podcast underscore. And I'm at Justin B Bradford. You'll see lots of vacation pictures over the next two weeks. Yeah. Have a great night. Mm-hmm. Bye. No vacation here. Bye. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, Preds, Pucks, Pinoys, hosted by Justin Bradford and Matt Best.